At Yangling, America's oldest brewery, we don't brew light beer. We brew light lager. Because we believe when choosing a light, you can have it all. Yangling Light Lager is full-bodied with a golden amber color, refreshing flavor, and just 99 calories. It doesn't look like a light beer, and it sure doesn't taste like one. But don't take our word for it. Next time you're looking for a light, refreshing choice, reach for a Yangling Light Lager and taste the difference for yourself. It's not light beer. It's Yangling Light Lager. DJ Yangling & Son, Potsdam, PA. Please drink responsibly. There's no other race quite like this one. It's such an amazing thing to see all these people just running down the street all at the same time. 60,000 runners. Running releases a lot of endorphins. It's euphoric. 3,500 volunteers. And it's just fun high-fiving all the people when they run by. 6.2 miles. I'm not too concerned about being the first in. I just don't want to be the last one. All on the 4th of July. I'm there every year. Let's get you ready. This is the Peachtree Podcast. The official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. You are almost there. Welcome back here to the Peachtree Podcast with Jay Holder. I'm Jennifer Perry, and we're here counting you down to the AJC Peachtree Road Race every week. Hopefully, Jay, people have been following along over the last few weeks, but even if you haven't been, if this is the first week that you're checking out the Peachtree Podcast, go back, listen to those old episodes, because you're going to learn a lot about the traditions of the race. I especially liked last week's episode, too, number four, because we heard from some of the biggest names in running. Bernard Lagat has already said, I'm going to win this thing. Yeah, but he's going to have some real competition. And, yeah. and a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about the elite field that's coming to this year's AJC Peachtree Road Race. I think it's one of the best we've had in years. And Lagat's certainly a contender, but he's going to have some competition. Mm-hmm. What I like about this show, and you know, if I were listening to this as a participant, it would really give you a, a brand new appreciation of what this event is. It's not just a 10K run. It's so much more. There's mm-hmm. so much tradition here. There's there's so much tie into the city of Atlanta. So I think if, as I go back and listen to the episodes we've done so far, the four prior to this one, it's really a chance for the 60,000 people who run this race to understand what they're taking part. Yeah, and it's been super motivational for me as I prepare for number 10 in my uh, Peachtree streak here. But today we're going to talk about some of those aspects of the race that a lot of us appreciate. There are some goosebump moments for me in this race, Jay, and one of those is actually passing the Shepherd Center, passing under that American flag, of course, at the starting line, but also watching the very first racers get off that line. And those are our wheelchair racers. I mean, it's just fascinating to watch what they do along the course. Since 1981, this event has become one of the most prestigious wheelchair races in the United States. It brings the best of the best to race here on July 4th. And we're going to have the race director for that portion of the race here, as well as one of our our wheelchair participants this year to kind of talk about why that race attracts so many great athletes. It's certainly one of my favorite things to watch. And some of the names who have have crossed the finish line first over the years have gone on to be Olympic and world champions. And this year will be no different. And also the people who help us get along that route. We could not make it 6.2 miles without the people handing us water, directing us where to go at the starting line and at the finish too. We're going to talk to one of those people who kind of coordinates all those volunteers who keep us moving on race day. Can you imagine being the leader of 3,500 people? No. I mean, it's a, it must be a huge <laughs> effort. And we're going to talk to the volunteer coordinator here at Atlanta Track Club who finds those 3,500 
people that make this race really happen. And for so many of those people, that is as much of a tradition as it is for those who run the race. They come back year after year. They work the same water stops with the same people. And it's a huge part of their July 4th celebration. And it's, it's really cool to hear some of the stories. So we'll get some of those today. They have such a great attitude. They really make it kind of a party atmosphere for all of us runners. So looking forward to that a little bit later on today's episode. Plus, Bob Wells, who's going to tell us about your Kilometer Kids program and specifically a new thing that you're doing this year. It involves treadmills and a long time on the treadmill, right? (laughs) 48 hours on the treadmill. But Bob Wells is coordinating a project surrounding our Kilometer Kids Charity Chase, fourth annual Kilometer Kids Charity Chase. We're raising money for Atlanta Track Club's free youth running initiatives. And this year we're doing something really different. I won't give away too many of the details, but as you said, a lot of time on a treadmill. It's going to be really cool. We're going to get into all of that a little bit later on in the show. Well, Jay, in the early morning hours of July 4th, I like to try to make it as close as possible to the starting line of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, because if you get there early enough, you get to see the very first racers take off, and that is the wheelchair division. And what these men and women do, it's just amazing. It's one of the most prestigious races of its kind in the country or anywhere in the world. And joining us here is Becky Washburn from Shepherd Center, and she helps coordinate that race also on the line, Dwayne Morrow, who will be taking part in the race this year. And, and Becky, we'll start with you. What's the draw for wheelers across the country and around the world to come here to Atlanta? We've got to share a little bit of history. Um, 36 years ago, we started this, and there weren't a ton of wheelchair divisions in the country or the world. So Peachtree morphed into one of the most prestigious 10Ks, basically fostering exactly what the foot race had done. And we would have up to... 130 racers, which was was amazing mm-hmm. um, what's happened over in history, and it's still one of the top races, but our mission at Shepherd is inclusion, and now you can go to any of your local races and race just like you would with your, your friends and family, so that's an amazing, and we're very happy to have helped foster inclusion across the country, but Peachtree still is one of the top 10Ks, just like the foot races. We actually have one of those participants, uh, Dwayne Morrow, on the line with us here. And uh, Dwayne, I was reading a little bit about your story. It's really kind of fascinating. And we're going to talk more about the physical component of what you do, too, and how you conquer the hills. But give us your backstory. What happened to you over the years, and how did you get into this race? Well, a little over 12 years ago, Jennifer, I was living and working in financial services for Primerica City Group at the time and took up the great sport of rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, short story is I broke my neck playing rugby operated on there in England and seven days later um, was very lucky didn't know at the time how lucky I was but had some people that knew where I needed to be and they flew me home to the Shepherd Center and um, you know long story short I was given a one percent chance of ever walking again but wow. but I am actually a what you call a brown support an incomplete quad um, and walk some uh, high level functioning quad today because of the Shepherd Center success story and the group that Becky put together in Beyond Therapy has just been amazing in my life. Yeah, and so that's kind of how I ended up in wheelchair racing. And first year I was injured, you know, I was um, doing my first beach trip. Wow, and, um, in that first year. Man. Yeah. But uh, you were always an athletic guy. Do you think that helped you with your recovery and, and getting to that point, Dwayne? I definitely believe that. You know, I mean, you know, muscle tone, it atrophies so quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was you know, always motivated. I knew that, you know, I had to really push the limits to see what was possible. And being around other athletes in wheelchairs, and one of the 
really cool things about Shepherd. Shepherd's a great hospital, great technology, great doctors, great therapists. But they have the largest stable of wheelchair athletes in the nation, over 12 different sports teams. And they're there in the hospital. And as an inpatient, early on, I got to go see them and meet them. And obviously, as an athlete, I, you know, related to them. But I also learned from them, you know, how to be a cool guy in a wheelchair and how to get on with life and how to, you know, participate in wheelchair sports to stay healthy. Wow. So, Becky, your programs are making a huge difference in the lives of these wheelchair athletes and, and just helping people find that motivation for their recovery, because this is not easy. We see the stories all the time about the Shepherd Center and some of your patients who are making that comeback. It sounds like just an amazing program. It is. Shepherd is um one of the best places I've ever worked. I, I definitely don't ever see myself leaving there. It's just an amazing, inspiring place. I think a lot of people think it must be very depressing, and it's not. It is an amazing feeling when you walk into that building of hope and of life and getting back to things that you used to do. One of the big things for our patients, especially around this race, is if you ever get the chance to run the race, our patients are out right at the three-mile mark and encouraging all the runners and the wheelers but it's a moment for them to see what they are able to do, yeah. not what they can't do. And the racers come back to Shepherd, and we have our award ceremony. But there's a lot of peer support that's also going on at our banquet and our brunch. So, you know, there is no better place to work for me and to get to see what people can do. So many people I've talked to have said that's their favorite part of the race. Mm-hmm. That's it's the best, definitely mine. That's yes. the best part. Right before you climb Cardiac Hill, there's the Shepherd mm-hmm. Center, and there's so much inspiration that comes from that. In fact, we have a participant this year who would last year was out there in that group of people from Shepherd Center watching and cheering on the runners. And he said to his friend who was standing next to him, I'm going to run that race next year. And he's running this year. Oh, wow. Uh, and we get a story like that every year, and it always just gives me the chills. It talks about how great of a race this is. We were, we were talking a little bit yesterday, Becky, about the field. Uh, you've got some really great competitors coming back this year. Yes, we have. Josh George is our number one seed, and he was our champion from last year. He's been racing amazing. He was part of the London uh, Marathon where the top 10 were only separated by five seconds. And he and Krieg as well was part of that top 10. Um, Amazing. Um, Josh also finished fifth at Boston, and um, he was third at New York and Chicago last year. So he's been also on the track, so he's definitely ready for this. I expect it to be close between him, um, Josh Cassidy from Canada, who's won twice. And then we have a newcomer to the open man, Daniel Romanchuk. He won the juniors division last year. He reminds me of Marcel Hoog, who similar path, but Daniel is killing it on the track right now. So he's that outlier that um, he's fast enough that this race is a quick race. So if you can get up that hill first and then really take that speed downhill, you have a good chance. And you can never forget Krieg Skabor, who, like Dwayne, is a true competitor. He asked me, he goes, I did do Masters last year. Can I come back to the Open Men? Just better competition, and he craves that. So And a local guy, right? Yes. Krieg is from um, Rome, Georgia, and he's also the coach of our adaptive wheelchair racing team this year, too. Well, Dwayne, what is your race prep like? How do you get ready for the hills of Peachtree? What's your favorite part of the course, your least favorite part? Well, the favorite part is the downhill yeah of course you know 27 miles an hour which is a wow um so you know least favorite for most is the hill 
but I like those too. I'm just that type of competitor that, you know, I like the challenge. And you've got to have a qualifying time to even enter the wheelchair race. Ah, okay. So this isn't something for totally novices. You've got to have that qualifying time. And so you've got to go somewhere and do a 10K to get that qualifying time. But if you're racing with the elite athletes of the world and you've got to eat right, you've got to train right. You know, before I came here to Indy the other day, I did two 10Ks back-to-back in my subdivision, which is actually harder course than Peachtree. So I race, I train on a harder course than Peachtree is. You know, I'll typically do the Peachtree in, you know, 30 minutes or so in my quad division. But the 10K course in my subdivision, it'll take me 45 minutes to do it because there is no flat spot. It's all downhill, all straight uphill and, and harder grades. And so, you know, it really is, you know, a lot of preparation, making sure that you're, you're watching your, your diet, your intake. And, um, you know, we have great people on our teams at the Shepherd Center that help us with that training. Creek is our coach now. It's just, you know, priceless. And we have nutritionists that help us with our, our diet and intake and, and coaching along those lines. Uh, if you want to take it to that level and compete at that level. Coming through those final 400 meters, I'm amazed, I was amazed by how fast you crossed through the finish line. What sort of speeds, Dwayne, do you get up to in the downhill portions of the race? Downhill, uh, right after the first opening flat, we'll hit you know, 26, 7, 27 miles an hour on this race. There are races that I've hit 45 miles an hour. Wow. And mm. so it's a real rush in those shears, they're real light and can get squirrely on you. Can't sit up. If you do, you flip over. Uh, backwards and uh, we call that turtling and so that's one of the things you learn very quickly and it is a really unique finish as you said downhill there on 10th street at the park you're flying pretty good you're you're over 23 24 miles an hour coming down through the finish and um, there's been a lot of exciting finishes right there in front of Piedmont park especially in the wheelchairs because they finish at such a high speed Becky, we talked about the men's field a little bit. On the women's field, we'll see some familiar faces this year as well. Yes. um, Tatiana McFadden, which in her own right has helped bring wheelchair racing to the world with her amazing story and her incredible abilities. We also have Amanda McGorry, who's won in 2007. She hasn't won since Tatiana's been here. But Tatiana is coming off injury, so we'll see. She has been on the track, but she's a true competitor, so I expect good things from her and Amanda as well. They'll both work together to try to get a really good time. We also have, we brought in last year the Push Assist Division, and it's it's grown in its second year here. Correct. So, you know, we made a decision that we really felt like this should be a competitive um, division, just like the wheelchair division. And so they've had a qualifier in February to qualify, and we have nine teams this year. And to my knowledge, we are the only race that has made this a competitive division. So we're hoping to take it to the next level and help create the rules and really form that competition for these teams. I think if you're looking for some inspiration for July 4th, you can look to the Shepherd Center and all these wheelchair competitors. I mean, it's just amazing. The stories, Dwayne's stories online at your website, and I'm sure people can find out more there. Correct. If you want to hear some really amazing stories, definitely go to www.shepherd.org, our newsroom, and you'll be able to see a lot of things, amazing things that we do there. And uh, be sure to look for all those supporters outside the Shepherd Center on July 4th. Again, Jay, just one of those goosebump moments along that race route. Yeah, they're the first to cross the finish and often, as Dwayne said, one of the most exciting races that we see all day. So make sure you, you don't miss that race if you're a spectator, if you're watching on TV. 
or if you're at our starting line watching our video board, make sure you look up and see who's crossing the finish line mm-hmm. first. And uh, Dwayne, where do you expect to be uh, crossing that finish line this year? You know, um, last year was a kind of a retooling year. I had three surgeries last year. Triple hernia was the worst. So feature was my first race back and one of my slowest in my career. And so I'm hoping to get back to, you know, below sub 30. Last year was fifth in my division, which was one of the worst, you know, I've ever had. And so I'm hoping to be back in the top three. And, you know, top three in the world in quadriplegics and the fastest, biggest 10K, not a bad place to be. You'll I'll take, take it. it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, I'll be 50 this October, so I'll take it. Well, it's an amazing story, Dwayne. Good luck on July 4th. We'll all be watching for you. Thanks, Dwayne. Time now for this week's Peachtree Podcast training tip. Hey, this is 2016 Olympic marathoner Jared Ward here with this week's training tip. The tip is get a massage. I'm fortunate to be married to a massage therapist and she takes very good care of me. Um, But if you're not married to a massage therapist, find a good one that works on runners and schedule some regular appointments. I would say at least once a week. Uh, Massage does a lot to speed recovery uh, and a lot for injury prevention. A lot of times if you can get massaging something before it gets too damaged, you can really speed up the recovery process. So having a regular appointment is very helpful. That's this week's tip. Enjoy your training. As an athlete, you need nutrition for sustained energy. Cliff Bar can help. Cliff Bars taste great and are made with a nutritious blend of organic rolled oats and wholesome ingredients to keep you feeling and performing your best. Whether an hour at the gym or all day on course, Cliff Bar helps feed your adventure. Stop by the Cliff Bar booth at the Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo to try some. Jay, you were giving me an update before the show today. Sounds like Jared could use a few more massages himself. (laughs) Nursing a little bit of an injury was Mm -hmm. was planning to run the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Ran here last year. We were thrilled to have him. He is a champion, 2016 Olympic marathoner, and one of just the greatest all-around guys in the sport. He's got a little bit of an injury, so he's not going to be joining us this year, but we're happy he could pass along his training tip to us, and and we can't wait to see him back out on the roads. His coach, actually, at Eyestone, is a former champion here at Peachtree 1 in 1991 and I uh, was going to come with him but ah. unfortunately they won't be making the trip this year next year though we next hope. year Jared next <laughs> year but uh, we are excited to actually announce some of the elite field that has committed to doing this race as we've mentioned numerous times here on the Peachtree podcast this is a big year the US 10k championship and you actually have some names for us I feel like we need a drum roll though <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that sound effect we'll put that in we'll put editing. that in okay <laughs> yeah it's a great field it's one of the best fields that we've had in, in the past couple of years. It's an American field all vying for the U.S. 10K championships. We've talked about Bernard Lagat. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Shalane Flanagan. We're also adding Leonard Career. He competed in Rio in the 10,000 meters for the United States. And Jordan Hesse. Jordan uh, just ran 223 at the Boston Marathon, Wow, uh, which is the fastest American debut for a woman ever by more than three minutes, breaking mm-hmm. Kara Goucher's old record. She finished third, which it was an incredible performance. And I think if she had another mile, she might have been second, mm-hmm. maybe first. She was Edna Kiplagat, who was our, our champion last year, won the Boston Marathon. One of the best runners ever to lace up a pair of shoes. But it's great to have Jordan here. She's really moved from the track to the roads and done an amazing job, run 107 high in the half. It's going to be very exciting to watch her race Shalane Flanagan. The two are 
two of the best road racers in the country right now. Uh, they haven't gone head-to-head in a while, and I think the big buzz is who's going to come out on top, mm-hmm. the rising star or the road veteran who has really proven herself at this distance. Shalane's the U.S. 10K record holder. Uh, she ran that just last year at the BAA 10K, so that's going to be the race up front. But I wouldn't count out Alephine Tillyamuk and Natasha Rogers both in the race. Alephine's running really well right now, was top American at the uh, mini 10K in Central Park a couple of weeks ago. She's the U.S. 20. 5k champion you heard her training tip on our episode mm-hmm. last week she's running great natasha rogers she won the thanksgiving day 5k here last year so she knows atlanta she's the u.s half marathon champion just a couple weeks ago as well so she's in great shape and then of course neely gracie is back neely was our top american last year we heard her training tip about the ice bottles yeah, earlier episode on one, yeah. go back and listen to that if you missed it how to stay cool before the start neely is is always a factor uh, and her dad uh, has a history here as well finishing in the top five several times so the women's field is great. You can check out the full field at atlantatrackclub.org. On the men's side, Bernard Lagat has some competition. We talked about Leonard Career. Sam Chalenga will be here. Sam Chalenga, top 15 at World Cross Country Championships. Always a factor when he's on the roads. He is a two-time NCAA champion. He holds the NCAA record in the 10K. Um, never somebody you want to count out. And Abdi Abdirachman was our top American last year. He was sixth in the Boston Marathon after a strong performance, fading in the last couple of miles, but he really looked to be a factor late in the race. Third at the uh, New York City Marathon in November. At 40, he's still running at the you know the same level he was in his early 30s. So he's going to be a factor as well. If you missed episode four, go back. You can hear from people like Bernard Lagat. We had Alephine's training tip last week. Bridget Lyons, Kirabel LaRosa, who also had a big race recently too, yeah, right? Yeah, Kirabel ran 13.23 at the Portland Twilight Track Meet a couple of weeks ago out in Oregon. That's a U.S. qualifiers. It's the second off the world qualifying time. Kirabel won the race. That was a PR for him. Uh, so we're really excited to see how well he's racing coming into this U.S. 10K Championships, a hometown guy, went to high school at Grayson, so it'll be great to see him running the streets that he knows so well. Christo Landry, past champion, is also back, and uh, you noted last week for us too, Jay, that he's actually the defending champion. He's kind of held that title for three years because that's the last time we did it here. Yeah, that's the last time we did a U.S. 10K men's championship. There's been mm-hmm. a women's championship uh, the last couple of years, but not a men's 10K championship. Olympics last year and some other factors playing into that, but Christo is the defending U.S. champion at the 10K, always a factor, knows these streets, trains in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is very similar in topography and climate to Atlanta. So he's going to have the advantage coming in if it's a hot day. We could have a couple of really nice battles. That's the only disadvantage to being one of those runners behind things, but I'm sure we can go back and we can DVR this on 11 Alive or NBC as well, right? Yeah, they'll both have recap specials the evening of the 4th, so check your local listings. NBC Sports and WXIA 11 Alive will recap the entire race for you. So if you're running, you can go home and and watch it again in the evening. Well, there's a whole army of people who keep the AJC Peachtree Road Race moving every single year, Jay. How many volunteers? 3,500. 3,500 along the course. And I always appreciate their attitudes. I mean, these are happy people. They're happy to be there. They want to help the runners and especially the people with the water. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's their July 4th tradition. Just like running the races is the tradition for so many people. There are so many of our volunteers who have made that an annual trip down to wherever their post is on the course. And we see some of these people come back year after year and they come back because they just love what they do. Mm-hmm. And joining us now is Karen Lamphere, volunteer coordinator for Atlanta Track Club. And Karen, tell us a little bit about that tradition that some of your volunteers bring to the AJC Peachtree Road Race. 
The volunteers love this event just as much as the participants do. In fact, we have a crew chief this year who is celebrating his 45th anniversary as a volunteer. Wow. So he, he only wasn't there for the first three. That's correct. And in fact, we have over 300 volunteers this year who have put in more than 20 years apiece. Uh, so we have a very strong tradition in this race, especially up at the start area. You'll see start waves gathering who come every year to work together in groups with their families, with their crew chiefs. And it's part of their tradition every year. Two weeks out and you're still looking for volunteers, of course. Some of these people come in at the last minute. Why should someone who's never done it before volunteer at this event? If you're a new volunteer to this event, you're going to see something that you've never seen before. With it being the largest 10K in the world, they are going to have such an amazing time um, with the teamwork and the effort that they'll put together with their volunteer groups. They're going to have a blast and they're going to want to make it their tradition every July 4th as well. What about the water stations? How much training does it have to kind of fix that assembly line process that you have going on at every single mile for those runners? <laughs> at every single mile, we have about 100 volunteers that are dedicated to serving our 60,000 runners. They gather race morning at about 5.30 in the morning and set up 25 tables on each side of the road to serve everyone. Uh, they work so hard in the mornings and they deserve uh, great thank yous from all the participants that run through their stops. This race is it's like a well-oiled machine. I mean, you guys have it down to a science, but it's a lot of work. What do you see behind the scenes that makes everything run so smoothly? I see months and months of preparation. I see a passionate staff that's dedicated to the meticulous planning of every detail of this race. I see years and years of experience with our crew chiefs and our volunteers. And I see 3,500 volunteers that are dedicated on race day to making this event a huge success. So you, you're in charge of gathering those 3,500 volunteers, but you've brought up crew chiefs who run each job. Can you explain the structure to someone who might be new to this? What's a crew chief and how do you get that role? A crew chief is a volunteer leader. They basically take charge of the 180 different operational areas that we have on race day, and they coordinate their volunteer groups. We begin recruiting our crew chiefs in February, so they've been involved since early spring. And over a series of conference calls and meetings, they plan out their volunteer area and coordinate their volunteers on race day. So that speaks to think something I think is really interesting about this race and really allows our volunteers to be very involved in the planning. These are people who aren't just showing up at 4 a.m. on July 4th. They're working on making this happen from the very beginning. That's right. They're our most dedicated volunteers out there. And volunteers, of course, you get something. They get their own t-shirt. Jennifer, I, I saw you and Steve looking at the t-shirt yeah. when you came in this morning, and it's really cool this year. Mm -hmm. I wish we could show it, uh -huh. but this is podcasting, <laughs> so we can't. But Go Karen, to the Atlanta Track Club website, though. You can see it there, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. And Karen, can you tell us a little bit about the shirt and how that's just as much as a, of a tradition as the finisher shirt? Absolutely. I am so excited about the 2017 shirt. It's a it's a white shirt with a big star on it, and the star features many little icons of our race. I think the volunteers are going to love it this year. It's always a race favorite, and I think sometimes it's even better than the participant shirt. <laughs> there are only 3,500 of them out there. And we also have a volunteer pin to give out this year. We have a Home Depot apron to give our volunteers. We have a Waffle House key fob that'll get our volunteers 10% off at Waffle House. And we have um, lots of snacks and water to offer on race day to keep everybody hydrated and healthy and ready to go. 
a lot of people might be listening to this right now, maybe family members of some of the runners, and they're thinking, okay, I could volunteer on race day. So it's not too late. And what kind of jobs could they get at this point? It is not too late. There are still plenty of positions available. Volunteering is really easy. Just visit peachtreeroadrace.org and click the red volunteer button, and they will see all the different positions that are available. We have race day positions that include start area positions. You could work a start wave. You could help move people around the start area and help them get into their start waves. We have positions all along the course. You could work a water stop or you could be a course marshal and help keep those runners safe and moving in the right direction. And we also have plenty of positions available in the finish area. You could hand out finisher t-shirts to our participants. You could hand out water and Powerade to our participants. And you could help be a part of this great tradition. One of the things I think is is interesting is that you can actually get both shirts. There are jobs that allow you really? to volunteer mm. and run. It is possible. That is correct. I think at this time, most of our pre-race positions are filled. But if a runner wanted to volunteer on race day, they are welcome to look at our start wave positions and also our people moving positions, our traffic control positions at the start. And it's not too early to start thinking about the 2018 AJC mm-hmm. Peachtree Road Race. As soon as this event ends, it's it, the planning begins for the next year's event. So anybody who might be listening who missed that deadline to volunteer or isn't able to this year will be coming for you next year. Yeah, think about that next year. But what are the next couple of weeks like for you, Karen? What's your schedule like? (laughs) Things are really going to start heating up around here. Um, We're trying to fill these last few positions that we have and filling out those last few details that we have to get this race in perfect condition. Big job ahead, Karen Lamphere. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. The Peachtree Podcast brought to you by PNC. Know how much you're spending and on what each and every month. Know you're on track with your bills and upcoming payments. Know when money's coming in and going out. Know PNC Bank supports you before and after the finish line with PNC Virtual Wallet. Because when you can see your money clearly, you always know where you stand. PNC Virtual Wallet can help you simplify your finances, track and budget your spending, and save for the future. To get started and open a PNC Virtual Wallet today, visit pnc.com slash virtual wallet. PNC Bank, official bank of Atlanta Track Club. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. Jay, uh, every track club event that I've attended at the Peachtree Expo itself, I see all these signs for Kilometer Kids. Can you explain for us what that is? Sure. Kilometer Kids is Atlanta Track Club's free youth running initiative. It provides running solutions, programs, and curriculums to more than 8,000 kids across the state of Georgia. It started 10 years ago this year with 150 kids and has really, really grown. It provides running to everybody. It, It supports our mission that running and walking should be accessible to anyone who who wants to participate mm-hmm. and it's done that so each year at the AJC Peachtree Road Race we try to raise money to fund that program as we keep it free for all of its participants we've done the Kilometer Kids Charity Chase for the past three years the first year was Meb Kaflesky the great Boston Marathon champion mm-hmm. running from the back and raising money as he passed people in the field the past two years we've used our military race to raise money for Kilometer Kids but this year We're doing something just a little bit different. And joining us now is Bob Wells. He is an Atlanta Track Club member, a passionate supporter of Kilometer Kids, and the project coordinator for the Kilometer Kids Charity Chase. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me, guys. Jay's been teasing us for a while that this is very unique what you're doing this year. So tell us what's different. Indeed it is. uh, This year, to celebrate the 48th running of our fabulous Peachtree Road Race, 
we are hosting uh, are putting on a 48-hour treadmill race between two teams, Team Mm -hmm. Stars and Team Stripes. And uh, the race will begin Saturday night at 6 p.m. at the Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo and run through 6 p.m. Monday night. So 48 hours. And uh, we uh, expect to have quite the who's who lineup of folks participating on the treadmills. And as the race is going on, spectators and fans will be able to donate and all those donations will go to Kilometer Kids and we've got something really excited lined up in terms of how that money will be used. Tell us a little bit about that because it's not just going to benefit youth running, it's going to really help preserve Atlanta's Olympic legacy and provide a new facility for youth running that has been part of the running track and field scene here in Atlanta for more than 20 years. That's exactly right, Jay. The way that the money will be used is that we are going to revitalize Cheney Track at Phoenix Park. Uh, And Cheney Track was used as a warm-up track for our very own 1996 Olympic Games. Ah. So we're super excited about that. It's in the community of Summerhill, and uh, it's an example of... Uh, the Atlanta Track Club investing in the community and uh, making spaces available both for the community and for kids to keep people moving. So right in line with uh, you know exactly what our mission is. Yeah. The track is still in use today. Atlanta Public Schools uses it. It just has not really been touched up since 1996. I was out there just the other day. It's it's the surface is a little hard. It's got some wear and tear in the lanes. And this is just to understand the history of this facility. People like Michael Johnson, people like Dan O'Brien, people like Gail Devers. This is where it started for them. This is where their warm up was before they went next door to Olympic Stadium and won the gold medal. There is a lot of history behind this facility. That's exactly right. And, and as you pointed out, that you know, over the years, the track has fallen into disrepair. And for example, if you go out there after a rain, uh, good portions of the track are underwater. So we're really excited about being able to uh, resurface the track and to make it available not only for the community, but for kilometer kids uh, in the future. And perhaps the place where future Olympians will be starting their gold medal journey. You never know. That's exactly right, yes. And I love, you know, this program in general. I wish that someone had talked to me as a kid and had something like this because I kind of got into running a little bit later in life. What do you see among the kids that you work with, Bob? How do they respond when you get this love of running instilled in them at such a young age? You know, it's really amazing. Uh, Some of the programs I've been involved with up in uh, the Kennesaw area, we actually train the kids in many cases to run their very first 5K. And it's transformative uh, as many of us, you know, who have become runners, especially, you know, in later years have learned. You know, one of the neat side effects we've also seen is by getting the kids running, we actually get their moms running and Mm -hmm. we get the family running. And so, you know, it's not just about keeping kids moving, it's getting the entire family out. And uh, we see that, in fact, even spill over into the Peachtree Road Race where, you know, it's becoming a family tradition that everyone participates, you know, and it's all, you know, Kilometer Kids in many cases kicks that off. It's very exciting. I'm going to ask you about about your involvement with Kilometer Kids because we've talked about this story before and I love your story as to why you're so involved with this program. And it's because you've told me you you wish you had something like this when you were a kid. You know, I... I, uh, 
certainly, you know, in hindsight, wish I would have been encouraged to participate as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, like many adults, I um, got involved in running due to a life event. And, you know, it, it wound up having kind of a healing effect on me. And so having seen that in my own life, you know, I reached a point where I wanted to give back. And uh, planting that seed early, you know, and working with kids has always been a passion. And, uh, you know, sharing the gift of running, I, I can't think of a much better gift. Well, you have a history, too, of raising money for kilometer kids, including something at the New York City Marathon. What did you do there? Well, New York, actually, I was just a participant. I, okay. I went with a group uh-huh. that fundraised, and due to my prior involvement, which was actually at the Boston Marathon, uh, I assisted them as best I could. But uh, I uh, had the pleasure of running the Boston Marathon in 2015 uh, in support of kilometer kids, and just an amazing life experience for, for sure and you know that actually fell on my plate accidentally i had mm-hmm. you know the, the track club had an auction at uh their annual social called suits and singles singlets pardon me and that's a different social suits and singlets that, that, that's exactly right, right that's exactly right uh, at suits and singlets the boston marathon was kind of the top prize if you will it was the top thing being auctioned off you know i went there and had you know really no plan of even bidding for anything that was Mm -hmm. being auctioned. And suffice to say, the auction wasn't going as well as we would have liked. And uh, we we got to the grand prize, to the Boston Marathon. And, you know, having been involved with Kilometer Kids, I, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to let the room just be quiet. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to open up the bidding. So the bidding opened up. You know, I immediately jumped out of my chair and and bid $1,000. And as luck would have it, no one else bid. Oh, and wow. so that's exactly right. And so I found myself driving home thinking, oh my gosh, what have you just signed up for, Bob? And, uh, it, you know, it was only a few minutes later that I started to reflect on my involvement with Kilometer Kids. And I was like, Bob, who better than do this than you? You know, and I, I really kind of uh, latched on to it, you know, and, and ran with it, pun intended. And, you know, it just wound up being a wonderful experience. So, and, you know, the side effect of that is it raised a lot of money for kilometer kids. Well, I know Atlanta's running community is going to want to get behind this as we go through the expo. So do you have a goal in mind and how can we best help you achieve that goal this year? Well, we do have a goal and it's a big one. Uh, our stretch goal is $300,000. Okay. So it's a lofty goal. Mm-hmm. And how best people can help us is, first and foremost, donate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll start to see information come out uh, about that on all of the Atlanta Track Club social media properties and press releases and things of that nature. And then, of course, share it with friends. Mm-hmm. Just help spread the word. You know, when, on, on one hand... You know, $300,000 sounds like just a, you know, a mountain of money, and to some degree it is. But, you know, you look at this race, this is the world's largest 10K. We have 60,000 runners. That's exactly Everyone right. Everyone donates a little, and we that's get there. Exact, yeah. That's exactly how we get there. You know, you look at the number of participants and the number of, of supporters and the number of people out there cheering along, you know, along the, uh, the race path. So, uh, you know, it's certainly achievable. 
And at the expo itself, can you make a donation there? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You'll be able to Great. make a donation. Yeah. So we're doing a couple of neat things as it relates to the donations. We're, we're actually uh, putting together a texting solutions so people will be able to use their mobile phones to actually text donations. But then we'll provide other vehicles uh, to donate as well. And we'll have all that information at the Atlanta Track Club website. Just click the Kilometer Kids logo at the top right corner of the okay. website. All that will be there starting today, the day we announced the challenge. And and Bob, uh, tell us about some of the partners helping us out here. There, it's this is not a uh, this is not just an Atlanta Track Club venture. We've got some generous support from some Atlanta Track Club partners. We we sure do, Jay. Kind of the key partners in pulling this all off are Polar, along with Athleos and Woodway. So Woodway has uh, been kind enough to donate to very high end. You know, these are fitness center level treadmills mm-hmm. and. Um, Athleos actually develops uh, custom software for the console, and so they've done a really nice job of uh, developing some neat console graphics and that sort of thing that will be displayed and keep track of the runners. And then, of course, Polar is the company that is providing the technology to uh, collect all the stats, so things like pace and heart rate and distance and uh, using their technologies there. And uh, then, of course, uh, Recordtan uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention them. They are the company that we're working with to resurface Cheney Track. We hope they're really great treadmills because we're going to need that to run for 48 hours. But how many miles do you think the runners will log over that time period? That's a great question. You know, uh, the thought has certainly crossed my mind. So one of the things we're, we're going to have people running uh, anywhere from 30 minutes to two-hour intervals. You know, we're also, the track club isn't just about running and racing. You know, we embrace walking, running, jogging, uh, interval training, running and walking. And so, you know, that will be represented mm-hmm. as, as part of this. So I'm going to guesstimate an average of maybe six miles an hour. That might be mm-hmm. a little aggressive, right? And well, so, if you think the average Peachtree Road Race participant runs an hour for 10K. Right, right. That's right. about right on target. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So do the math. What would that be? Uh, <laughs> Jay, six, help six, with the numbers. Six, ah. six, six times 24. 140 one, something. 144. Multiply that by two, and we've got 288. So mm-hmm. somewhere in the neighborhood of... 288 miles per treadmill per treadmill right jay will you update us on twitter afterward you know it at atl track club on twitter bob you're at every single atlanta track club event i think you go to more events than i do by far (laughs) Uh, i'm going to give you a chance and i'm going to just back away a little bit to let everybody know how we know bob is in the house boom (laughs) (laughs) there it is bob we're looking forward to this thanks so much for joining us today on the peace tree podcast thank you so much for having me jeff All right, Jay, we are almost there. And uh, coming up next week, we're going to have your final Peachtree prep here on the Peachtree Podcast. It's time to put on that kick and throw it down for the the home stretch. One more episode to go. Next week, we're going to talk to Mary Ford, chair of the board for Atlanta Track Club, kind of talk about how this organization runs and the unique story behind the mission and her role as not just a runner, but as the chair of the board of this not-for-profit. It's a really interesting and fascinating talk with her as, as someone who's been involved with this event and now with this club for a very long time. We're also going to talk to the Hype Guys. <laughs> oh, and they are a party as yeah, I understand it. I am it, really so. excited about this one. <laughs> All four people on the stage who are addressing our 60,000 finishers are going to be in this little studio <laughs> with all that energy. When the race ends, the party begins. 
So they're going to tell us what to expect on the stage this year. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be games. Uh, you're going to really want to stick around and hear what they have to say next week. Also, you know, I, I've told you, Jay, I got hooked on running about 10 years ago after doing the peach tree. And so a lot of people are wondering, okay, now what? Because it's July and you're thinking, okay, I can start training for fall races. You have things going on all year. Yeah, peach tree is only the beginning mm-hmm. for many people. For some people, it's, it's the middle. We hope it's never the end. So we're going to talk to... Uh, some of the people who plan our events here and are behind our membership program here about what's next and what else you can get from Atlanta Track Club and how we can help you on your running and walking journey. We're also going to help you get to the starting line on race morning. There's the race to the race itself. So we're going to have some tips on how to get there via MARTA, via Lyft this year too. And uh, that's coming up next week as well. Yeah, don't plan on driving. We'll we'll give you some better ways <laughs> to avoid the headache of looking for a parking spot. But it's all coming up right here next week. Join us again right here here on the Peachtree Podcast. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club.